0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to Ayurveda health, wellness, and mindfulness teacher Cheryl Sherillo. Want to know when your energy level's highest? Why your skin, hair, and joints get dry this time of year, and which foods cure that? Cheryl's here helping you tune into your body, mind, and spirit wellness. She was a single mom working at her own startup, stressed out and needing to chill, beginning with meditation, then furthering her practices she learned while pitching investors, how to fully enjoy her experiences, be tuned into what's happening, and peacefully interact with loved ones and coworkers. And today, she lets you know how to do that and a whole lot more. Listen now as Cheryl's here giving you simple tools for coping with everyday stressors. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Cheryl.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Now, I know that students of Ayurveda believe that everything in the universe, dead or alive, is connected to your mind, body, and spirit in harmony with the universe, nature, and the seasons. And you get to have good health when everything's in harmony. When that balance is messed up, you don't feel well. Is that the area of Ayurveda that you work in? Yes. I
1: love partnering with nature as I work in my Ayurveda practice with people. And I also follow a feminist and inform wisdom practice with my Ayurveda. So tell me about that. Well, Ayurveda is thousands of years old. It originated in India. It actually predates Chinese medicine. And originally Ayurveda was taught by the grandmothers. They were the master healers and the grandmothers passed their wisdom on to their daughters and their granddaughters. And so there were all of these beautiful practices around your moon time and gardening and working with herbs and child rearing and childbirth and menopause. And then when India was colonized by the British, Ayurveda went underground because they didn't really want the native Indian people of India having this really powerful medicine on their own. They wanted them to use British medicine. And so, but of course, it worked so well for everyone. They kept practicing it kind of on the down low. But then Ayurveda made a resurgence, but the men kind of took the lead as Ayurvedic doctors, and they overlaid some of the Western medical practices and modalities over Ayurveda. And so the Ayurveda that was originally practiced many thousands of years ago is a little bit different now when kind of men took the lead again. And that's great. I mean, it's Ayurveda practiced in that way is still super powerful and wonderful, and I love it. But I also love all of these women's wisdom practices that I learned by Ayurveda practice through years of study with the Shakti School. And they really embrace the feminine form wisdom ways. Yeah. Tell us about some of those. Well, one of the really interesting things I found out when I started studying Ayurveda was men's bodies, or if you're in a physical body that you identify as a man, cycles in 24 hours. So which is how all of our Western world is really designed. Our work day is designed by, you know, the nine to five and every day the same. And that works really, really good if you're in a male body. But if you're in a female body, we have a 28 day cycle. So how energetic we are, how much we want to be out in the world, how extroverted we are, that is all happening around the full moon. And then as the moon starts going into the, when you're getting closer to the new moon, then you want a lot more inward time. You might be a little bit tired, need some more sleep, not feel like being as social and out in the world as much. And women who really understand that and honor that 28 day rhythm throughout the month, We just are a lot happier and able to take care of ourselves a lot better and give ourselves a freaking break from having to be on at the same level every single day because it just doesn't work that way. For I'm just
0: learning about this and I got a moonology diary for 2022 so that I would know based on the moon what days to schedule more and what days not to. So how do I know how to work this and how will people who are listening know when to schedule more and when not to, if that? Well, again, the the new moon is a time
1: mm-hmm. where you have a little bit less energy, you might not have as much appetite, you want to kind of be nestled in at home a little bit more with a nice cup of tea and some Netflix. And so that would be a time where you didn't want to be really heavily scheduling or launching new things into the world, right? And then as the, we get closer to the new moon, that's when you know, we get really gregarious, and we want to be out in the world more. So a, a fuller schedule works really great for us.
0: So that wait you mean a full moon the full moon okay you said new moon I re- okay sorry. i'm sorry okay. the new moon is kind of the lower part okay so new as nestling full means a full schedule full means a
1: full schedule yes exactly
0: okay so yeah so those
1: are and eating too you might notice like your appetite changes quite a lot so for me when it's closer to the new moon i have a more voracious appetite probably because i'm being more active i'm out and about more i'm running more energy and then around the new moon You know, I really don't, my appetite isn't as big, I want to have lighter meals, I want to, you know, lighter foods as well as smaller meals, or maybe smaller meals during the day instead of like one big meal. Another thing with Ayurveda living in harmony with nature in these feminine form ways is our digestive fire is highest in the middle of the day. So that's when we want to, our body is really ready to process a needing of the more food or a little bit harder to digest, richer food. And after about six o'clock, Our body doesn't, is going into processing all the emotions and the activities of the day and everything we've eaten. So really eating light, light, light at dinner is recommended in Ayurveda. So again, just living in harmony with the cycles of nature and the seasons of nature.
0: It's very interesting. So this was passed down, I would imagine, orally from grandmother for generations. Okay, what else? These are such good nuggets. Well,
1: I, when I, right before I started practicing Ayurveda, I was in my early, early 40s. And Ayurveda also has these three major body types, body, mind, spirit types called doshas. Yes. so A lot of people have heard about that. So you're either primarily a pitta dosha or a vada dosha or a kapha dosha. You can be different combinations of things. And I happen to be heavily pitta with a good amount of vada. So pitta is the really fiery dosha and vada is the more airy dosha um, around lots of movement and dynamic things and it can tend to be a little bit scattered too and then kapha are the wonderful earth mothers grounded loving kind they usually have really thick lustrous hair you kind of have some kapha hair going on and the big beautiful lips and big eyes but anyway so I have a lot of this fiery nature along with this more airy dynamic kind of constitution and I was doing a lot of things that were not really supportive for my dosha and for my age. So this was in I was getting close getting up to 50. And I was drinking lots and lots of coffee. I was also drinking a good bit of red wine, not tons, but you know, a good bit to be healthy. I was eating lots and lots of salads, I was snacking on popcorn and crackers. And none of these things are bad per se. But for My age and my constitution, they were really throwing me out of whack. So I was having my hair was getting really brittle and drying and cracking. My joints were kind of in the same boat and they were really achy. I was starting to gain a little bit of weight. My skin was really dry. So all of this dryness was happening and I was doing a lot of things that were very drying. So the drinking the coffee, that is a diuretic, and it also kind of messes with your adrenal system. And the red wine was also very drying. The popcorn and crackers were very drying. I was eating virtually no fat, and women need really good, healthy fats like avocado oil, ghee which is clarified butter, which is a Ayurveda says it's one of the absolute best things you can eat. Avocados, oatmeal with ghee and cinnamon. And so we need good, healthy fats and warm, juicy things, especially as we get older and in the fall season to keep ourselves from getting dried out. And so I just found out that a lot of things that I was doing that I thought were just fine or even healthy for me were actually causing me a lot of problems all the salads and raw foods i was eating i wasn't digesting them well and that Abby, was causing a lot of but- toxins and ama in my body
0: now, how do you know what dosha you are, though? Is it what if there's three different doshas? How, is this the same for anybody in that? Because there's a lot of listeners that are probably perimenopausal or menopausal. Is That's the same for anyone that's in that kind of situation. Do, crackers and popcorn are bad or? Well, if your skin is really dry, your hair is
1: dry and breaking, your joints are cracking and popping, you might have a lot of gas. That means that you probably do have an imbalance in your vada dosha. It's elevated.
0: Okay, so what is Vata dosha?
1: So to answer your first question, how do you know what dosha you are? So you're born with a certain doshic constitution. And the way you figure that out is there's a lot of websites online where they have a dosha quiz that you can take. I really love Banyan Botanicals. They have a great dosha quiz. And the Chopra Institute, um, Deepak Chopra, Mm -hmm. he has a really good dosha quiz as well. So when you take that quiz, it tells you what your dosha constitution is from birth, and it tells you which of your doshas are currently out of balance. Because you can be born with any dosha and then throughout your life, any of the three can be out of balance. And first, you want to take care of what is currently out of balance and come into harmony. And then once you're in a good place overall, then you cultivate a lifestyle with what you eat and how you exercise and what kinds of things you watch on TV and your creative life that is in alignment with the dosha constitution that you were born with. Okay. So all, a lot of the things that I just mentioned were all about Vata dosha. So my Vata dosha was elevated and was out of balance. And the Vata dosha, people who are born with Vata, a lot of times they have, they're taller and a little or a little on the thinner side, smaller bone, kind of long arms, long legs, think kind of volleyball player bodies. And they tend to have a little bit thinner hair and their skin can be a little bit drier. A lot of times, they're really—they're the life of the party. They're really charismatic, but they like to jump from one thing to another thing. A little my ADHD and scatteredness might be a problem when they're in balance. They're, as I said, really vivacious and energetic and really fun. When they're out of balance, they might have problems with anxiety and getting overwhelmed and feeling left out, not being able to get grounded. Those are tendencies that a Vata person might have.
0: Okay. And then do you want to hear
1: about the other two or do you have? Yeah,
0: but also you started to say when you're having brittle hair and other Characteristics. there's certain things that you could do. Was that just having avocado and G and...
1: So of the brittle hair and all of that is your Vata dosha being out of balance. And if you are getting close to menopause or after menopause, that's the Vata time of your life. So everyone would do really well to take care of their Vata constitution at that point in their life. So if you're basically want to do things that help you stay juicy, stay juicy and mobile and consistent in your life. So one of the things that's really, really helpful for Vata is a consistent schedule throughout the day, waking up about the same time, going to bed about the same time, eating your meals about the same time during the day. So really regularity in your life. And then you do have a tendency toward dryness. So you want to be staying hydrated with herbal teas and water and not cold drinks. In general, Ayurveda, says cold drinks are not a good idea, it really dampens your digestifier. But if you're having a symptoms and dryness in your body, then cold water or any kind of cold drink really upsets your whole system. So warm or hot drinks is really good for you. And then making sure you're getting really good fats in your diet. So that's the avocado oil, coconut oil, olive oil for salads. It's not really great to cook with olive oil because it changes its consistency ghee, 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 the clarified butter is just so good for you. Eating avocados, all of that really is helpful for people who have a Vata constitution. And then there's also this self-massage with warm oils called Ayurveda. And that's a whole conversation in itself, but that's oiling yourself from the outside in. So using sesame oil or avocado oil to oil your body, especially in the winter really is helpful in nourishing for vadas
0: okay yeah do you want to give the other two doshas you want to explain also then the quick? other two doshas pitta
1: is another really fun one and people like you who are self-starters and who create things and put things out in the world and are leaders and way showers typically that's a pitta personality And so we make great leaders, we like to take charge, very dynamic. And then on the flip side, if we get out of balance, we can be kind of intense, critical, self-critical or critical of others, a little bit judgmental, thinking we know the best way to do things and not being shy about sharing that (laughs) with other people. And we go to frustration and anger, where a Vata person would go to anxiety and worry and physically pitta people usually are pretty proportionate medium boned not real small bone but kind of medium boned we tend to have reddish hair or tones to our hair a little bit thinner hair sometimes blue eyes kind of medium finer features but our digestion is really really good we really don't have any digestive problems because we have all of that digestive fire from our fiery nature so that's the basics with pitta and then i mentioned a little Bit with Kaffa. Kaffa people are usually a little bit bigger boned. They have gorgeous, lustrous hair. Uh, a lot of times, bigger eyes, really nice eyelashes, thicker lips. Their skin is really beautiful. The pitta and the vadas, we wrinkle, get wrinkly a little bit earlier. And the kapha people, they just keep that really lustrous, moist skin. For, and their skin in general is really moist. And they're, in balance and in harmony, really loving, kind, like the best friend, kind of great mothers, really nurturing earth mothers kind of types. And then out of balance can get a little bit like wanting to sleep too much or tendency toward depression, or maybe a little clingy or hoarding kind of kind of tendencies. And then maybe having trouble getting started with things. But with the kaphas, they take a while to get going with something. But once they get going, their momentum can just carry them. They have, they're like the long term, you know, they can run long distances. Versus the pittas are like more the sprinters.
0: Oh, those are great. Now, you also infused East Indian shamanism in your teachings, I read. And that just sounds so cool. Can you explain that? Going with feelings or what exactly do you do with that? So 10 years ago, well, actually, maybe we're getting close to 15
1: years ago now. I was a full-time business person. I had my own public relations and marketing company. I was very well-known in the community, moving and shaking and worked with a lot of arts and social service organizations. And I also had a startup called the Imagination Installations. So, And I was a single mom with two young kids. So all kinds of stuff was going on. Really exciting, dynamic time of my life. And but... I was really having problems with stress and feeling that I wasn't really sure that I had a spiritual purpose in my life. I wasn't feeling fulfilled in that area. And so I found out about this women's circle called the Clan Mother Circle that was happening in my town at Flower Eagle Medicine Lodge. And so I decided to sign up and participate in this circle. And we met once a month and worked with this wonderful book by Jamie Sams called The 13 Original Clan Mothers. And it was all about Native American spiritual practices and nature-based practices and fire ceremonies and calling ceremonies and working on the soul level and getting in connection with conversations with trees and rocks and the animal kingdom. And it was through that work that I started getting connected to wild dolphins and leading wild dolphin retreats. So I, through the Flower Eagle Medicine Lodge, I do sound healing sessions and resonance healing and soul-to-soul work, and it's really beautiful practice. So when I work with my Ayurveda clients, like any healer or any person who works in a hands-on healing modality, I weave in some of the sound therapy and the East Indian shamanism training that I've had, as well as the Native American practices. That's
0: so cool. Okay, you have to talk about your
1: dolphin retreats. Uh, Well, that's one of my biggest passions is being in the open ocean swimming with wild dolphins. It's really it's amazing that that even exists as a thing. And I was doing some work out of MIT. through This practice or this class, online class called ULab. And Otto Sharman, who was head of the business school at MIT, took us through what was really a shamanic worldwide meditation. 23,000 of us were connected live, heart to heart. And he took us to looking. To what our piece of the emerging future was through this meditation experience. And I saw myself in the ocean with wild dolphins working with a group of people. And I I mean, I like dolphins just fine, but I didn't have any, you know, I wasn't a big dolphin person. And but I thought, well, I don't know exactly what that is. But that sounds pretty interesting. So I just started paying attention anytime anything about dolphins came into my life. And it was this was about eight years Ago and my husband and I were looking for something to do for our second wedding anniversary. And I said, you know, it would be really cool to swim with dolphins. And I don't want to swim with dolphins in captivity because they keep those dolphins, you know, really hungry. And yeah. Yeah. So I said, I only want to do it in the wild. And I found out about this little island about 50 miles off the coast of Florida, where supposedly you could swim with wild dolphins. So we booked an Airbnb, and this guy said he knew where the dolphins were. And so we, you know, just went there for a long weekend. And the first day we're out with this guy in his tiny little mostly seaworthy boat (laughs) driving around for like seven hours. And we saw, you know, sea turtles and fish. And it was beautiful, but there were no dolphins. And I'm like, this is just a scam. Right. I mean, I don't really know that. But we woke up the next morning and I said, and the water was completely flat. And the day before had been pretty choppy. And he was saying it's hard to see the dolphins. And so I said to my husband, I said, well. I think we should try it again, because if it's true that we could actually swim with wild dolphins, then, and we don't do it just for the money, or because we're not sure. I mean, I don't want to pass up on the opportunity. Well, we went out that next day, and we ended up coming upon a pod of 30 bottlenose dolphins. And it was just me and my husband and this guy, Doug, in the boat. And he said, well, hurry up, get on your snorkel gear and jump in the water. They might, you know, swim off somewhere else. And now I'm looking down in the water, and you know these are seven feet long, thousands of pounds of animals. I'm like, are we really going to jump in the ocean with wild animals and Doug in the boat? <laughs> and my husband is super comfortable in the ocean and all of that, but I'm like, but then it just flashed through my head so fast. I'm like, hell yes, I'm going to jump. I'm not missing out on this. So we get our snorkel gear, we jump in the ocean, and immediately a dolphin swims right up and looks me straight in the eyes. I mean, I could have reached out and petted him. And the intelligence and the sentient awareness in this dolphin's eyes, I will never forget it. It was absolutely magical. And I knew like if there was a a competition of who's the more spiritually evolved one of the two of us, it was definitely the dolphin. So we were in the ocean, just my husband and I, for two and a half hours with 30 dolphins, And when you put, when you have your snorkel mask on and you're looking under the water, and we were in the Bahamas, so the Bahamas bank is only like 35 feet deep, crystal clear, blue, aqua blue water, amazing. And you can just see everything. It's like you're in the Disney movie or the Discovery Channel. I mean, it's amazing. It's very different from seeing glimpses of a dolphin's fin. And they were just underneath us and swimming up to us. And I mean, it was just magical. So every single year since then, I have gone to swim with these wild dolphins. And a few years ago, I found out about a retreat center where they have this amazing sailing catamaran where we go out with them every day on the water for the whole day and, you know, drive around until we find the dolphins and you put on your snorkel gear and you jump in and they're just swimming all around you. So gentle. And these are mostly spotted dolphins, but sometimes we also see the bottlenose. But it is just the biggest joy connection. It's unbelievable to be up close in the ocean with a dolphin.
0: Yeah, I actually swam with a whole bunch of dolphins by myself in Hawaii. And because I saw them, they were so close that I grabbed a boogie board and I just started going out over the waves and they just seemed so close. And then I thought, what am I doing? And you know, because I was going out and all of a sudden I came down on a wave and they were all there, all these dolphins. And it was magical. It was an incredible experience, incredible. And yours yours is better because you're in clear water. So yes,
1: yes. And these dolphins, they have been with these people for 20 years. So they really have a relationship and a connection. And I've been with dolphins in other parts of the world, you know, and and just like in a kayak or on a boat. And it's a little bit different with these dolphins because they know them so well. And they're so respectful. And everything is on the dolphins terms. And but my next retreat is in June of 2022. So if any wants to have the
0: experience of five days in the ocean with wild dolphins. So Um, you you gave a good segue somewhat to, so here you are, you were a single mom, you're stressed out, you're, you've got your startup. How did you end up in meditation?
1: Well, I had known about meditation for my whole life. My mom had been a meditator for, she had practiced transcendental meditation, TM forever. So people would ask, well, where's your mom? I don't know. She's off hibernating somewhere, which is what we call When she meditated. So, and my brother was a Buddhist, and so he had a really intense, very thorough meditation practice. And I knew it would help me, but I was, my Pitta was so activated and I was so stressed out. The thought of just sitting somewhere, you know, for a half an hour and not moving, I'm just like, I can't do it. It's just too hard. And I would try and I would fail and it wouldn't work. And then my brother was visiting the Buddhist and his name is David. And we were sitting at my kitchen table and I was, you know, in tears and I was telling him just how freaked out I was and everything was going up the rails and I didn't know what to do. And I was in therapy, which definitely helped. And, but it wasn't enough. And I was exercising and that wasn't enough. And I wasn't sleeping. And he said, well, Cheryl, I really think it would help if you would, could meditate. And I said, well, David, I cannot sit on the cushion for 30 minutes and meditate. I just, there's no way. And he said, do you think you could sit on the cushion for two minutes? and you don't even have to meditate. Just don't get up. Just close your eyes for two minutes and don't get up. And I said, Yes, I think I could try that. And he goes, Okay, well, that is actually meditating. Let's do that. So he got me started. And he was there for a week. And every day we sat on the cushion. And I worked my way up to 10 minutes. And it felt
0: so good. Yeah, to just rest. That is the most perfect thing you can ever say. Start with two.
1: Yes, two minutes. A- and and then, then go to three. And, the go to three and and then it was 10 minutes of my day where I didn't have to plan or do or think or take care of anybody. And so it just became just this. And then it, you know, it would feel, I'd say I would commit to 10 But I would say I could stay longer if I wanted to. And so usually it was around 20 minutes. And then I also started doing a walking meditation in the afternoon outside, especially when it was when things were really, really crazy and I just needed to also move. So then I would go outside and walk for 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes and do a vigorous walking meditation. And it really, it saved my health. It saved my mental health. I was much better mother. And I kept doing it because it was my safety net. And it really, I mean, I just felt so much more grounded and present and the feeling that everything would be okay. Yeah. Present, entering the present yes. moment, what is happening right now, I can completely enjoy and handle whatever is happening right now. And the world is beautiful. And I got, had gotten so caught up in my thoughts that I
0: was missing out on my life. You, you say it so beautifully. I love that. What's the hardest thing that you've been through and how did you get through it? I would definitely say my
1: divorce was the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. My husband had bipolar disorder And he was a psychologist and he was taking all of his medications and doing all of the right things. And, but he was having, his medications weren't working and he was having breakthrough episodes and his form of mania came across as hypercriticalness to me and anger. And so none of the fun, exciting people talk about with mania. So anyway, but it developed really, really slowly over about 10 years so I thought, you know, I was the crazy one. And I was sitting, we were in a couples therapy session and he had just unloaded all this anger and horrible stuff on me. And I was just at the breaking point and I went to see our therapist by myself the next day, which was very unusual, but he's, you know, he knew kind of where things were. So he said, come on in. And he looked at me and he said, the amount of anger... I saw coming from your husband toward you was the same amount of anger that I have seen only one other time when I was working with prisoners on death row. And that statement shone a spotlight on my life and what it actually was. Not what I wanted it to be, not what I thought it could be. And I, you know, we have two young kids. I need to work it out. It was like, wow. And he had done just a little bit of something the week before that gave me the inkling that he might be capable of turning the anger and the critical stuff onto my boys. And I was like, that's it. I went from like years of therapy and trying everything under the sun to I am done today. And with our couples therapist and also with my personal therapist, I made a plan to get out and to, you know, have him get out. And I don't need to go into that big, whole, long story. But once I made the decision, I think even on the spiritual level, like everyone involved, including my now ex-husband, knew that it was done and she was mobilizing. And so just the path was cleared and everything went perfectly and smoothly. And I mean, it was the hardest telling, sitting down with my kids and telling them, That, you know, the family was breaking up and I was getting a divorce from their father was the hardest thing that I've absolutely ever done. But in the end, you know, I mean, they got a mother and a father that were real people that they wanted to be in the world. And we were much better parents. We parented together great, actually better after that. So, but it was the support of my parents and my spiritual practice. And just owning that I deserved to be happy, that got me through. And it was no picnic, but it was the hardest and the best thing that You know, I ever did for myself and for my two kids.
0: Yeah, it's amazing what when we're in it. I mean, maybe we know, but we're gonna stay in it no matter what for the kids. And then yeah,
1: I didn't have a clear picture of what I
0: don't think anybody really
1: was. Yeah, I don't think anybody
0: does when they're in it. Or maybe you do, but it's keeping the family intact versus you know maybe it's even better not having that. So I understand.
1: (laughs) I fit. But I had. I mean, I had so many support systems and lifelines and. I mean, my heart goes out to, you know, the women who don't have that. So they can't just say, "Okay, done, you know, and I'm taking my kids and I'm out.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you and I are both professional women. So we what's the most common question you're asked? One of the most common questions I get asked is, can you really talk to the plants? So I work with a lot
1: of herbs, right? And I have a garden and I love being in direct communion with the plant people and cooking and making herbal concoctions. And I mean, I have done a lot of study and, you know, I'm certified and working with herbs and, and medicines and things like that. But so I know the qualities of the herbs and what works well together and what, you know, how they work with your body and all of that. But really, now that I have all of that wisdom, when I'm putting together an herbal remedy for myself or even a cup of tea. I'm standing in front of my apothecary, which is a beautiful cupboard I have with, you know, all the different kinds of dried herbs and tinctures and everything. And I'm really in a conversation with the plant people of who wants to play, who is here to help with this situation for myself or for my client or for my mom or, you know, one of my kids, whatever it is. And I've gotten, I've always, since I was a little, little girl, talked to plants and flowers and trees and rocks. But when I started working with the Native American traditions, I started to be able to actually also hear back you know, the
0: conversation
1: was two way. So that's what comes to mind is the most common question is can you really talk to the trees? Or See, talk to the plant that makes sense people?
0: to me, you know, what to put together for this particular person or thing or situation, that, that yes. totally makes sense to me. Yes,
1: and it's that, wonderful and it's so much fun, but everyone can obviously talk to the plant people, to the trees, to the dolphins, but the key is to open your heart and relax and trust that you also can hear what they are
0: saying to you as well. Yeah, it's always the listening, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what would you tell somebody who's having a tough time getting up in the morning? And I don't mean clinical depression or anything close to what your ex-husband or anything like that, just that general malaise. What would you tell somebody having a tough time?
1: So the one of the most magical times of your day is when you're just arising out of sleep. So you're not all the way awake, but you're not all the way asleep. And it's really a delicious time to tune into your body and to have a gratitude practice. So if you're having a hard time, you know, getting up and getting going for your day, kind of indulge, say, instead of getting to this should format of I should do this or I should do that, really say, ooh, this is a super delicious time to give gratitude to my body. I love to just like feel my legs on the soft sheets and to be- give gratitude to myself for actually for my body for all that it does to me in this precious precious opportunity of having a human body. The Buddhists have a teaching that says there are untold amount of souls, billions and billions more than you could ever imagine, waiting for the precious opportunity to incarnate into a human body. Because when you're not incarnated, you are love. But the only way to experience love, to feel love and give love is to be in a human body. So it's just this most precious, precious thing. So I give gratitude for that. And then I, you know, think about, I kind of tune into any dream messages that I might have. And then think of one thing I'm really looking forward to for that day. And then from that point, I, you know, I get up and I start my day. And so it actually feels like you're doing something You know, a little bit like you're indulging in something and it only takes really a few minutes to do this practice, but it completely changes how you feel when you get up and starting your morning. And then the other thing really, really good to do when you first get up is to drink hot water. You're pretty dehydrated after the whole night. And when you drink hot water in the morning, it really gets all your systems moving and it helps you have a nice bowel movement. And there's a really a great tongue scraping, tongue cleaning cleaning practice to an Ayurveda, which is really highly recommended. We, anything that we don't need in our body gets some ama, some toxins get deposited on our tongue. And when we scrape them off, then we're not, you know, drinking them in with our coffee or tea or our hot water or whatever. And it also really wakens your taste buds up. Everything tastes a lot better. And it also, when you get into Ayurveda a little bit more, it tells you a lot about what's kind of happening with your digestive system.
0: Those are so good. Do you have a message of hope that you would want to give? You know,
1: it's a super intense time to be alive on planet Earth right now. You think? With COVID and with climate change and with what's happening today in the Supreme Court. And, you know, I mean, on every level with social justice, it's really, really intense. And I feel like it's the most magical and precious time to be alive and awake on the earth right now and to to find other people, to find your soul tribe, the others who are just really, really grateful to be alive and to be playing their one special precious role in the world. And, you know, anytime I'm feeling a little bit hopeless or overwhelmed, all I need to do is go outside and take a walk in the woods and be with nature. And, you know, the nature and the planet is so incredibly beautiful. And we are working with each other. And I really believe that we are all evolving and ascending to be operating at a place of peace and love that we have never seen on the planet before. So that's the piece of the world that I want to stay focused on and that I want to contribute to. And I'm really grateful for the small little piece of that I get to carry.
0: Yeah, instead of you know the one step, uh, two steps forward, one step back, because some people don't like change and resist it, and it's okay. Take well, you know, I heard it I heard
1: this really wonderful statistic from a scientist: what how many people it takes to like change a dynamic, and it's less than twenty percent of any group can have enough momentum to take the whole group to that tipping point. So that's less than one person in a family of four or little, you know, 20% of one community. And, you know, it's everyone else, everyone on the planet doesn't have to get on board and change to make a positive dramatic difference. Just a little bit less than 20 of us can create the
0: tipping point that takes the whole shebang (laughs) over to the other side. (laughs) It just, sometimes it feels like, but I love that you talk about going into nature because just putting our feet into the dirt and getting grounded and taking up that breath and breathing in the oxygen just that alone can make such a difference and whatever we focus on grows so when we Absolutely. focus on the love and we focus on the good and the beauty then that's what grows so i just love your message of hope and i actually wrote down because i never heard it before the only way to feel love and be love is to be in the human body you said it was a buddhist teaching yeah i mean that was just to me that was Profound. So I love that. And I loved all your messages of hope and your teachings. And I was like, do you sell your herbs? I'm thinking I could never do that, but that's not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really only
1: provide the herbal formulas to my clients that I'm working with or friends and family. So yeah. no, I don't. But there's a lot of my favorite place to buy herbs is Mountain Rose Herbs. So they are really they do a beautiful job of cultivating them in the places where they grow the best and sustainable practices. So those that's a really high quality source for herbs.
0: And I will have all of Cheryl's contact information and all of everything on the website. Of course, thank you so much for being a guest today. I'm 52 weeks. I hope. Oh, thank you. It was really wonderful. Yeah. I really enjoyed hearing your messages. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Cheryl's messages of trust, mindfulness, and listening. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for the motivational speaker, Andre Norman. Andre's known for going from a hundred year prison sentence to Harvard fellowship and featured speaker at MIT London business school, associate with YPO and the genius Academy. But like all of us, he's so much more than everything that I can list here to you right now. He lets you know it's never too late or too hard to pursue your dreams. Dreams. andre travels the world inspiring others not just in prison and jails but everywhere to face their traumas and break free from your own prison that you might not even know you're in He's a remarkable story. It is, he's just so good. That's next week. So you don't want to miss that. If you're not already on the email list, you want to get on that so you don't miss anything. We have a couple of member-only specials beginning in two weeks. So you definitely want to be in the know. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and you'll be on the email list. There's also an imposter syndrome quiz and seven ways to feel better right now. A couple other cool things on there. So that's at 52weeksofhope.com. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.